Thank you guys, that's awesome. You guys already in that two song set got more hearts than I think we've gotten the entire time. So uh, I'm glad you guys are with us and uh, I am glad that we have a little bit of a studio audience here this morning. Um, but uh, if you would grab your Bibles, we are going to be continuing on uh, with our series on stepping in it, feeling like the entire world is a minefield right now, but addressing something that is actually now, with VBS having just happened, uh, something that I want every single parent to be able to engage in. And so uh, today we're going to be actually starting through uh, stepping in it with your children. How do we not just navigate this minefield that is the world today for ourselves, but how do we lead our children through this? How do we lead those who might be younger than us around us through this time frame where everybody feels very off balance or at least has questions about God? How do you want me to move forward? What is it that you are desiring for my family? How do I talk to people? How do I do anything right now without the whole world blowing up around me? Your children have the same questions, and the questions that Scripture, pro the answers that Scripture provides for us, are answers that our children need as well. And so, as we go through today, uh, and really the next four weeks, we're going to be using um, the passages that we went through with your kids for VBS. Now, if if you weren't part of VBS, then this is obviously you're still getting Scripture here, um, but maybe. If you did go through VBS and you watch the videos and you're wondering, man, how do I talk to my kids about the Bible? How do I engage with them? That's what we're going to be doing for the next four weeks is literally going through that. So I'm, I have some kind of preface for this as far as just general instructions. Um, and this for, these are parenting tips uh, for talking to your kids about God. How do we talk about Scripture? How do we talk about God? How do we talk about how God is interacting with the world around us? How do we have those conversations with our kids? Maybe, maybe you've been a Christian for a very long time and it still is very strange or awkward for you to engage those conversations with your own children. And maybe it's even easier to have those conversations by you know teaching other people's kids at church or some other way. But when it comes to your kids, you're just like, man, I you know, I don't I don't know how to have those conversations. Well, good news for you. We're going to go through some of those things today. We're going to uh, be looking at scripture and then I want to be challenging you and we're actually going to be doing something uh, for the next four weeks. If you have been part of discipleship um, and you're in a discipleship uh, band and you're, you know, meeting regularly with your discipleship group, that is awesome. Here's the thing. Part of our discipleship is that we are expecting everybody that joins in a discipleship group to begin to do discipleship themselves with somebody else. Um, and this, if you are a parent, this is the time where you will start doing this. I will come to your house and force you to disciple. I'm not going to do that. But I, I am encouraging you with everything I can for you to engage with your children and disciple them. This is not just something that I want other people to do. This is actually something I'm going to be doing for this four-week period. This is something that growing up in a pastor's house, uh, you know, it, it was interesting to me. It wasn't until high school that I actually got to do some actual discipleship with my dad, who was my pastor. And that time was 
awesome. And I still look back to that time. And that was great. It was with a couple other guys my age and my dad. And it was just mind-opening for me. And so um, I will be engaging with this with my children. And I know that we are all kind of going through this time frame. If you're living here in southern Arizona where we're trying to figure out, is school going to happen? Is something else going to happen? Well, guess what? This is a phenomenal time, and I've told my children this already. Uh, listen, we're going to, if we do homeschooling, which we're planning on sending our kids back, but if they don't let, allow that, um, I'm going to be teaching you Bible, and then we're going to have, like, survival class, too. Um, some different things, like, how do we do this whole world reality? But in addition to the, the the curriculum that they're required to be able to do. But, man, I want to take this time over the next four weeks and really just engage with my children on this. I want you to take this opportunity as well. So um, some tips before we get started, and it's this. Number one, keep it concrete until their questions turn spiritual. What does that mean? It means this. Uh, as adults, sometimes we are expecting like the craziest questions to come out of our children because we have been trained by them to hear crazy questions. They ask questions all the time. And there is a, a psychological time frame in a child's life where everything for them is concrete. And as they get a little bit older and different children hit this point at different times where they start thinking beyond just the concrete. But if your kids are in that concrete age, please don't try to discuss theology with them yet. <laughs> what I mean by that is this. If you're talking about the story of David and Goliath, talk about the story of David and Goliath and keep it in those concrete terms that Scripture speaks about, that this is what happened. That's what they need to know at a certain age when they're young children, as they begin and their minds are developing more and more. Then we can get into some of the concepts that might be part of that. So, Know your children well enough to say, you know what, my kids might be ready for that. Maybe you're thinking they are and they're not. So my, my admonition is this, keep it concrete until their questions turn spiritual. Um, and if their questions are leading into more of those spiritual conversations, not just the concrete story aspect of some of those pieces, um, that's when you can then begin to look at deeper things that are very clearly there but when they're young young children have those concrete things and and another another one is this uh because here's here's why i say that keep it concrete until their questions turn spiritual god has given us real stories that connect our limited reality to his eternal reality and i mean if you start talking to a four-year-old about the Trinity, they may not be getting everything you're putting down, all right? But when we read through Genesis, we see that God is there. And then it says that the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters of the deep. And so we don't have to start getting into deep Trinity discussion to be able to see that God is there. The Father, the the Holy Spirit is there. And then if we read in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus was there. Everything was created through him. So we have these concrete examples and we don't have to get into all of the theological ramifications when a child is not ready for that. So just be aware of where your kid is at and make some evaluation based off the questions they're asking. Um, if they're still asking things like, well, did they wear a fig leaf? Okay, they're in that concrete thing. They're not looking at maybe sin as an idea yet. Um, so really uh, just be aware of your kids and let their questions 
lead how you are teaching them. All right, so that's number one. Number two is this. This is a crazy one, and this is going to sound like something you would never expect to hear from a pastor, except all the time. And it's this, read the Bible with them. I mean, that's, that should be something that hopefully we are assuming should happen, but I got to tell you, in practice, that is an easy thing to get my Bible reading done, but not read with my children. And my kids are pretty well grown up kids at this point. They haven't moved out yet, but I mean, I have a 19 year old, an almost 17 year old and a 13 year old. And shamefully on me, do I read my Bible with my kids? Man, that's that's something that over the next four weeks we're going to be doing together. Um, and so read the Bible with them. Uh, it's interesting how often we think we know what the Bible says or we assume that some saying is from the Bible. Like God helps those who help themselves. Not in the Bible. Just not there. <laughs> um, but the, these are things that, man, we, if we are reading the Bible together, then we can even answer immediately maybe the questions they have or ask questions. Hey, what do you guys think of this? All right, so that's number two is read the Bible with them. Number three, let them see you read your Bible. (laughs) Uh, Our kids learn way more by watching us than they do by being instructed by us. Um, We can tell our kids all day long, you should read your Bible. But when we read our Bible and we have our quiet time and maybe we even read with them, this begins to put a set of habits into their lives that are formative forever. And so um, just let them see you read your Bible, all right? Number four is this, don't water it down. The Bible is not a rated PG book. It's not. If you have ever read it before, I've gotten so much guff from people. I've had people leave our church because I say things that are in the Bible, which is bizarre to me. Uh, oh, that's offensive. I, you know what? That's really cool. I didn't write it. I just read it. Um, but don't water it down. Now, there may be some things that you might need to simplify based on the age of your child. Um, but don't water it down. If it says that David chopped off Goliath's head, don't be like, David and Goliath weren't friends. But Clearly. I mean, I remember as a five-year-old, enacting this with my brother. I got to be David and I was so much smaller than my brother that he was Goliath. And I remember us going through this and like, I'm not traumatized by it, miraculously. No, my, we read it, we acted it out. And I remember that to this day. And I want your kids to know that God is powerful. God is love, but God is not some teddy bear. And in his word, he reveals the fullness of who he is. And so don't water God's word down um, just because you think it might be a little scary. It, it, life is scary. If we're going to navigate this minefield with our children, we can't tell them there's no minds out there. No, we have to educate them as to the reality that, man, there are things that this world is going to do, things that people will say that are going to hurt. And we have to be able to lean into God's love for those people specifically that hurt us if we're going to be anything different than the world. And so don't water God's word down. All right. And then the fifth one is this role play when possible and when their ages are appropriate. All right. Um, It is 
fascinating to me how often Scripture is so powerful, and there are these incredible stories, and there are also things that aren't just, you know, historical stories, but are deep truths, but it is helpful to walk through some of those things with our kids, depending on their age, and let them bring the words into a concrete reality. Again, um, keeping it concrete when they need it to be concrete is something that is very helpful in the development of a child's mind. Um, And in the development of our nation, the reality is this. Most children learn to read by reading the Bible because that was the only book they had. Man, I almost miss that. I don't almost miss that. I really miss that as the reality. Um, That the concrete stories in Scripture and the truths that are there were developed into a whole nation throughout the reality of just reading God's Word. And now it's not even allowed in school and all this kind of stuff. And we're seeing the reality of that come into play. So let's let's kind of break this down a little bit. We're going to be using over the course of the next four weeks uh, the passages that we used for each night of our vacation Bible school. And, and the theme of those things will kind of be the theme of where we're going because I want to give you tangible tools that you as parents, and if you are not a parent yet, please don't kidnap somebody else's child. Don't do that. But you know, maybe you you go with another parent and learn from them. We, again, it takes time to learn how to do anything. And watching somebody do it well, if you look back at your childhood and say, man, my parents never taught me how to read the Bible, then maybe you don't know how. Maybe you need to sit with somebody that's in your small group that does have kids and say, I want to learn from you for some future date when I may have kids of my own, how I can disciple my own children. And I'm going to do it by watching you fail and crash and burn so that I know what not to do. No, that's, that's not the desire. But it's okay if you don't have all the answers. Um, it is one of the most powerful things when our children see us actually having to dig into God's word to find God's answer. Not just some made up answer, but God's answer to very real questions. All right? So role play whenever possible um, and when their ages are appropriate in that. And uh, uh, so the first theme for for night number one was this, that uh, Jesus' power helps us do hard things. So I am going to do what I want you to do, all right? Uh, And it's this, it's read the Bible first and then maybe a couple of questions that may get your children asking questions. I'm also going to do one other thing, which is try to tie one passage of Scripture to another passage of Scripture. And I'm going to show you how to do that, actually, as well. Um, so what, I'm, what we're going to do this morning is very instructive, all right? So it's going to be a little bit different than the typical uh, type of sermon thing that we have, have done, because I want you to be able to engage with these things. And we're actually going to be putting out, um, if you've been part of discipleship already, uh, we are going to put that on hold for four weeks. All right, uh, and we are going to give you a new reading list that I am expecting you to read with your children. Doesn't matter what age they are. If you have forty-year-old children, great, read the Bible with them. All right, um, but if you have three-month-old children, no better time to start. Why not right now? All right. Um, so if you don't have kids, again, if you can jump in with a family that'll allow you to do that, that'd be great. Um, but if you can't do that, Keep doing your discipleship stuff, um, but I am expecting that 
the guys that are in my discipleship group, I'm expecting them. We're not going to meet for the next four weeks together. I'm expecting them to meet with their families and do discipleship. All right? Dave, you hearing me on that? Dave's in my discipleship group. Um, and so, uh, but we will, uh, we'll, and we're going to be giving you a reading list that have some of these concrete stories um, so that you can read them with your kids. Uh, David and Goliath's going to be in there, maybe Noah, different ones from the Old Testament and then also ones from the New Testament. Um, and so it'll be very similar to the discipleship you've already been part of. If you have not yet been a part of discipleship, get in discipleship. Um, but maybe it's time to start right now with this reading list. We're going to have that posted. Uh, Pastor Tina's been working on that um, since yesterday when I told her about this. So it may take a little bit to get up, but that, that reading list will be there. Um, but we're going to start in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 19. It says this. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So we went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed address to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. The way is, by the way, what the early Christians were called. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless. For they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias! Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I have heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest anyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. All right. So that story, all the way through, what'd that take us? Four minutes to read that? Um, I'm not saying you have to prepare some hour-long study with your children. I'm saying read a story and then go through it. And just ask them, what do you guys think about it? Do you remember what we just read? Can you tell me the story back that we just read together? Can you act it out? And if they miss a part, oh, what about that? Ask them questions that will bring back the story. And if you need to read it again, then read it again. If you're afraid to read in front of your children, stop being afraid. 
<laughs> and do it, okay? Um, if you don't know how to pronounce words, don't worry about it. They don't either, <laughs> right? If there's names in there, your children are not going to be like, mm, Father, that is not the, pro the proper pronunciation. Don't, I mean, I don't know your kids. Yours might do that. I don't know. But don't worry about it. Read through it. Then start having this conversation. What would be the key theme in that? To me, man, as I look at that, if I'm going to ask my kids, what, what, what would you say would be the key theme of this interaction? What are the main characters? We have Jesus, we have Saul, and we have Ananias. Okay, what, what are the key themes of the interaction between these three characters? How, how do we think about this? Now, obviously, I'm, I would be asking this of my teenage children. Maybe your kids are younger, and so you don't maybe look at key themes. Maybe you just give it to them. I would say, after I let my kids, you know, think about it and kind of digest it a little bit and maybe even act it out, even in their teenage years, that's totally fine. What, what, what do you guys think about it? What, what, what's the theme in this? What, what would you think if you were in Saul's situation? How would you feel? What would you think if you were in Ananias' situation? How would you feel? How do you think he felt? Trying to get their minds to place themselves in the middle of the story is a very powerful way for them to learn truths that God has in his word. So ask them to think. And then here's the, here's the thing I have trouble with. This is, should be instruction number six. Shut up and let them talk. <laughs> Close your mouth. And I have said it many times in service. Marinate in the awkward. Don't feel like you have to fill every moment with your voice because if somebody else has a chance and they don't say anything, well, I have to feel like I have to say something. I have to educate my children. No, you need to let them learn and lead them in learning about God's word. And sometimes that takes a lot of thinking and that's okay. And so ask them questions. How do you think Ananias felt? To me, as I go through this, when I look at this one, I see the potential, especially with what we're talking about right now in this whole minefield reality. I've heard so many, I've had people ask me, Pastor, would you pray for protection over my family? And I'm perfectly happy to pray for that, absolutely. My expectation is that you're also praying. Um, but I think sometimes we pray God protect us when God is saying, no, I've given you my power to go do something, not for you to be safe, but for you to go out into this world that is blowing up. And I think Ananias probably wanted more protection than empowerment. <laughs> He's like, I know this crazy dude. He's here to kill us. I don't, I don't want to go talk to him. I don't want to be put in chains. I don't want to be dragged back to Jerusalem for believing in Jesus. Jesus, I love you, but that's scary. Jesus, just protect me. Hide me here until Saul leaves, I think would be most Christians' prayer today. That we want it the way it used to be. God, we need protection. Do we need protection or do we need God's empowerment to be salt and light? I believe it's the latter. God called Ananias to go to a man that was there to literally arrest him. It's a scary situation. And what we talked about with your kids on the video in VBS is that God gives us the power to do hard things. Not to just hide away 
from the world, but to walk out into the minefield with our children even, that is the world, and be God's ambassadors in those situations and take the love of God. Now, God had some specific instruction for Ananias, but I think the key theme is protection versus empowerment. And that's a conversation I want to have with my kids. Has God called us to be safe or has God called us to be on an adventure with him? And adventure has risk. Adventure is dangerous. But adventure is also guaranteed awesome when we are doing it in the power of God. And I want to teach my children adventure with Jesus more than I want to teach them fear about the world outside and a desire for protection first. Do I pray for protection over my kids? Absolutely. <laughs> but I want them to not just be people that hide away from the world thinking it's so evil that we have no ability to go engage it. No, 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 no. We have the power of God. And I want my kids to know that. I want your kids to know that. I want you to have that conversation with them. That Ananias went and did something that the rest of the world would have considered crazy except Jesus told him to do it. We have been told by God as a church to accomplish the mission he has given us of repossessing Tucson and all of southern Arizona starting right here with the love of Jesus Christ. By removing barriers, loving God and people, and serving and giving together. That is an impossible task for humans to accomplish on our own. But God has empowered us to be about that mission, to be accomplishing that thing, to doing some crazy VBS that's different than any VBS that we've ever done where we have this great thing that happens at the lake and we get 200 kids out there. It's totally different than it, what, what it has been because God gave us the same charge. Take my love and repossess Tucson and all of Southern Arizona starting right here in Sarita. So take my love to these parks. Take my love to these children, to these families. How do we do that? Well, apparently it meant that we had to build some crazy caboose. But God has empowered us to do that in a time where everybody is afraid. And we go out in boldness. Yes, with safety in mind still. But also to say, we will not just sit idly by and hope people learn about Jesus. No, we're going to take Jesus and his love to them. That's what we have done as a church. That's the conversation I want you to have with your children. That's the conversation I'm going to have with my children. That God has not called us to just be protected. Yes, Jesus calls us sheep on a regular basis and he protects his sheep. But he has also called us to join him and become co-shepherds with him. Wow. There's power in that. All right, uh, And then I also want you to connect uh, the passage you read maybe to another scripture. And how do you do that? This is how you do that. I want you all, if you don't have one, go on Amazon right now and order one. I want you to order a study Bible or a life application Bible. Okay, You pick whatever translation you want. The NLT is a great translation for reading with kids because it doesn't have confusing language in it. Um, but get a study Bible. In that study Bible, in the middle column, uh, right next to uh, the, the passages of Scripture, there are all these like letters and numbers listed together. All right, When you get your study Bible, there's instruction at the very front of that on how to use chain references. Okay, Literally open up. It's in the first three or four pages. 
How do I use chain references? It takes the passage you just read. We just read uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, verses 1 through 19. There will be multiple chain references in there. And one of them is this. Matthew chapter 5. Did I say Matthew chapter 9? Acts chapter 9 is what we just read. Sorry, um, misspoke there. But it references this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. How, according to that passage, how do we be perfect? We love our enemies. Those who Ananias showed love for his enemy Saul by going to him and sharing the love of Jesus Christ, by being obedient to Jesus and going to a man that was literally there to hunt him down. That's what Ananias did. He did what Jesus said to do in Matthew. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Man, now we have two passages that took very little time to read through, but it begins to connect in our children's minds that Scripture is connected. They're not just individual concrete stories, but they have a theme that God is beginning to reveal to us. And kids have an incredible capacity to learn. And I think they do this sometimes better than we as adults do, so we have to practice it, but begin to lead them through the process of connecting these things. And then just ask some key questions. What happens when we act in God's power? I mean, if you ask your kids that and then let them come up with some answers, you'll be amazed. Now, I know this as well. Some of, all of you, probably, if you have more than one kid, you have children with different personalities. That's just very clear. So if you have a quiet kid, make sure that your loud kids don't be the only ones that answer. Ask. Billy. Whatever your kid's name that's quiet. What do you think? What happens when we act in God's power? I mean, we see what happened when Ananias acted in God's power. What was the result? Wow, now we're getting into the rest of the New Testament and making this one little concrete thing help us understand the rest of this because this guy Saul, his name became Paul, and he was the leader <laughs> of the early church and wrote most of what we have as the New Testament. And that's a big outcome for Ananias just being brave enough to do what Jesus asked him to do. Do you think Ananias knew that was good? No. But when we ask questions like that, what happens when we do the thing that God asks us to do? When we work in God's power, what happens? And the answer might be, I have no idea what the end result will be. That's a great answer. Don't correct maybe an answer you think is wrong, but think or ask them another question, all right? What happens when we act in God's power? What might have happened if Ananias acted in a self-protection instead of God power 
reaction. Man, Saul might have remained blind. He might have not had the opportunity to see this miraculous work of God. All these are possibilities. Ask your kids and let them answer. See, what I want is this. I want you to teach them how to think, not simply what to think. And that happens when you ask questions and allow them, this is crazy, to think. Give them time. Maybe even ask them the next day, hey, we talked about Saul and Ananias yesterday. Have you had any more time to think about that? Do you have any questions? Great touch again. Back to that thing to keep them thinking about it. It is not rocket science. It's literally reading God's word and asking some simple questions. It's what I want you to do if you are a parent over the next four weeks. If you're a grandparent, kidnap your grandchildren from your children and do this. Do it with your kids and force them. I am totally okay with you forcing your kids to learn God's word. <laughs> okay, do you, want, do, you, do you hear me clearly enough on that? Wow, that's coercion. Listen, <laughs> they are having stuff force-fed to them all the time. Let's get some God's word in there. Now make it fun. Don't, don't beat them over the head with God's word. But hey, I, I want to have a conversation with you. Let's read God's word together. Let's, we're going to turn the internet off. And we're going to open our Bibles. We're going to turn the TV off. We've got time at home. Let's take this time. To disciple our children. If you don't have children, man, learn from somebody that does. If you have grandchildren, this is for all ages, all right? If you have none of those things, then yes, continue on in your discipleship groups. But I am canceling discipleship for the next four weeks the way we have done it, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? That I want you to disciple your children. We're going to give you the resources for that. I want you to be able to read God's word on a daily basis with your kid. It's not going to be that long. Take five, ten minutes, okay? Do it at dinner time or if you still have dinner time. I don't know what your schedule looks like. Make it happen. Who is more important than your children for you to disciple? I'll give you time to think and answer. Nobody. I mean, I love my discipleship guys, but my kids are the ones that God entrusted into my care. I have a responsibility, and you have a responsibility for your kids. So disciple them for the next four weeks. See if it's not something you want to continue to do. All right? I give you the challenge. I'm giving you the tools, and I want you to take action on it yourself. Do it in your house. You can lead your children spiritually, even if you just are starting to even understand who God is. That's great. Start leading your kids as you are following Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, you are good. I thank you for today. I thank you for this last week. We give you praise and honor and glory for the fact that so many might have for the first time heard the good news of what you have accomplished on our behalf, Jesus. That you have set us free from sin and death. That you have given us new life because of the forgiveness that you have provided. Lord, I thank you for that. I pray for each one of the kids that was part of our Vacation Bible School. I pray for each one of the families that got to come out. Lord, I ask for your blessing on them. Yes, God, protect their children, but also, Lord, teach them what it means to be empowered by your Holy Spirit to accomplish your work, to forgive our enemies, to love our enemies, and to pray for those who persecute us. God, teach us how to lead our children closer to you. 
Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. In your name we pray. Amen.